Welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie, and I am here today with Aiden. Hi. Kieran. Hello. And my spouse, Luke. And Hi. I thought... Oh, sorry. <laughs> and my spouse, Luke. Hi. Uh, so I thought uh, we would try something a little new today. I thought I would try to tell the Christmas story. I've already told the Christmas story, like the way I usually do it. I, I write out a story, and it's got little explanations of where things fit into the culture, sort of. You're welcome to listen to it again or for the first time this year. I put that up uh, last year, but I thought I would try to tell the Christmas story again, but this time I would get my kids in here, and we would just kind of, I would tell it, and we could talk about it a little. We're not really in the Christmas spirit yet, but that's okay, because we prefer to be in the winter solstice spirit, and it's a bit early for that. So, um... Yeah, I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving yet at the time of recording this. That's true. So, um, you know, later we'll, we'll, be, we'll all be up in here with lights and we can just we can pretend there's a christmas tree anyway okay so i'll just i'll get started so in the book of matthew the christmas story is in two books of the bible and it's totally different in both the different books but the christmas story is of course about jesus being born but they can't just have a baby be born it has to have be like cosmically significant right and like cool and cool and stuff and stuff so in in matthew um, there's a quote from the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament, that says something like, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the valley of the shadow of death, a light has shone on them. And when you talk about conservative evangelical Christianity like that, and I grew up in, that darkness is specifically sin, right? You know what yeah. sin means? Yeah. yeah, it's like something that God do not like right. much. Right, and so it separates you from God, and the wages of sin is death and all that. So everyone basically who's ever been born, except Jesus, is doomed to die because they're born in sin because they're related to Adam and Eve. You remember Adam and Eve? Yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. It's the and first one he told on the podcast. Yeah. So, um, so the, the sin came into the world, everyone's doomed to, to die because of the sin, and they need someone to save them from the darkness of sin. And outside of the conservative Christian culture, we talk about things like systemic oppression, right, you know, and racism and the tendency rich people have to hold on to their riches and oppress people to get more riches, right, outside of, like, in our culture, that's what we talk about? Yeah. Right. In Christianity, maybe those things happen, but they're all because of sin, right? But it's right. interesting. I what? thought those were sins. Like, they're not happening because of sin, but they were. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's it's more like, well, sin came into the world, so people are going to be likely to abuse power because they're sinners who don't have Jesus. So if all the leaders were Christians, none of the leaders would be racist. Because the Christian teaching, at least the one that we were taught, is that the root of all evil is in individual human beings' hearts. Mm -hmm. They don't really teach that there are bigger systemic issues that cause evil things. 
And it gets kind of complicated because certainly individuals do harm. But anyway, that's not really what I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about how that is, um, that's, for Christians, that's the context here. That's the darkness is individual sin, individual inability to be good the way God wants you to be good. And that type of thing. But um, I kind of read this darkness in the text as, as something other than what evangelical Christians are talking about. You guys, oh, you haven't listened to the Daniel episodes yet, have you? I don't think we have. Ah, well, the people, the Israelites, they got taken captive. Their, their country got taken over by colonizers, by oppressors. They got taken away from Jerusalem. They got taken away from their homeland. And later they got to go back. But ever since, well, and even before, the people were always being oppressed. Now, in Matthew, it's the Romans doing it, right? The Romans are in charge. Back in, if you remember Maccabees, I told last year at Thanksgiving, there was the, what was that, the Persians? Uh, the, the Greek? Was it was sort of a Greek a empire. Greek Syrian? Greek and Syrian, yeah, something like that. I forget the exact words that everything uses. But anyway, it, it's this, this culture where people can't be free, where people are, are threatened. And it's there's like similarities between what the Christians teach about the nature of that threat and the nature of that darkness. And there's, there's also differences. So, um, but either way, however the story goes, you have people in darkness, people in bad situations, wanting something to be hopeful about, looking for something to bring change, something to make the world better. And that's where the story starts, with people waiting for something to make the world better. And maybe that can be a little problematic because of course there were other people who aren't part of the Christian canon, working to make the world a better place. But in this Christian story, they're waiting for one person to come around and make the world a better place. So there's two versions of this story and they're to totally completely different. But I guess I'll start with the one about a priest, right? Have you heard, you remember Zechariah? He's going into the, he's this old priest dude. He's going to the temple waiting for a message. And it's this really holy, sacred ceremony. And an angel tells him that his wife is going to have a baby who's going to be like the next big prophet. And he's like, I really don't think that makes any sense. And the angel says, okay, fine. You can't talk anymore. Because you don't believe this, you can't talk anymore. So he comes out and he has to like, he's like, blah, blah, he can't, he's moving his lips, nothing's coming out. We're like, we, you, you're not saying anything, you're not saying words. So they get him some like, I don't know what they wrote with, because they didn't have pencils. But whatever they write with, they get him that. And he writes down that this angel talked to him and, and he's going to have a baby. And um, so like... Everyone's kind of excited, like something is happening. But the baby is not going to be the one. The baby's not going to be the Messiah, the one that's supposed to bring the whole change. He's just going to be like... An important baby. The prophet about that, right? Oh, yeah. 
And so then his wife, she's named Elizabeth. Um, and she's like really old. So that's why he didn't think she could have a baby. And meanwhile, Elizabeth has like this cousin or niece or just related, but not super close. And she's not married yet. And uh, she just mind her own business. And this angel comes and says, greetings, wonderful lady. And she's like, ah, because like, it's this big glowing, I don't know, in some Angel. parts of the Bible, angels are like circles and wheels covered in eyeballs, and in some parts they just look like really intimidating humans. So I'm assuming that's what this is, is just like an intimidating human. And he's like, oh right, I forgot I'm supposed to start with, do not be afraid, the Lord is with you. And then she's like, oh okay, fine, now I'm not afraid, right? He's like, I should have started with that. So he's like, you're going to have a baby, and the baby's going to be the Messiah. And she's like, I can't really get pregnant because I, you know, haven't been with a man that way so I could get pregnant, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's like God is the father of the baby. So it's like a miracle. And she's like, oh, well, uh, okay, great. I guess this is all very exciting. So then, um, then she's pregnant, and it's kind of scandalous. Because she's not married, and everyone assumes that the guy she's going to get married to, she's engaged to Joseph. They assume he's the dad, and they've just been sleeping together before they got married, which you're not supposed to do. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, uh, I don't know, she goes away for a little while. She goes to visit Elizabeth, who is even bigger pregnant than Mary. And they're just these two big pregnant ladies, and then, you know, they try to hug and um, the stomach's getting away. <laughs> and uh, so, but Elizabeth, like, when she hears Mary say, hi, the baby in her tummy goes, whoop, jumping up and down, which babies could totally do. Because I have been pregnant, and babies can jump when they hear noises that make them happy. Like, when I was pregnant with Aiden, and, and Dad would sing... Aiden would just, we didn't even know it was Aiden yet, but like this baby is really excited about hearing his dad sing, jumping up and down. <laughs> so anyway, that's what the baby did. And so Elizabeth is like, wow, my baby, who's totally going to be a prophet, by the way, knows that your baby is pretty important. So this must be the Messiah, right? So that was also very exciting. And then there was like, Mary went back home and she was hanging out with Joseph and I think they got married. Right, and they get married at some point in there. And um, then there's like a census. You, we, you, we had to sign, we had to do the census. You've seen ads for it, right? Yeah, I know what a census is. Basically, it's they count people. They count people. Only in this census, everyone had to go back to like their homeland. And honestly, it doesn't make much sense because. How is everyone going to just go back to... Because supposed to be, it was like, Joseph's great-great-great-great-grandfather was from from um, Bethlehem. So they had to go back to Bethlehem. And that doesn't make sense as a way of counting people. Like, that's weird. But anyway, that's what happened, is they had to go to Bethlehem. And it's important that they go to Bethlehem, because there's like some sort of prophecy in the older part of the Bible about, you know, Bethlehem. David was from Bethlehem. Yeah. Right, and that's why it's got to be Bethlehem, because David was from Bethlehem. So it needs to be Bethlehem. Yeah, so we have to have this, you know, this contrived census, 
So they have to go to Bethlehem. And Mary is like super big pregnant. And even though she's only sort of married to Joseph at this point, because of technicalities, I don't really understand. They both go together to Bethlehem to be counted and pay taxes. And everyone's freaking grouchy. And Mary's like huge pregnant. And you guys know something about being pregnant? It's not comfortable. Even in like a car, you're pregnant, you got this huge stomach, and it's just kind of blah, 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 jostling around. It throws off your center of gravity. You have to walk different because you have all this, you have like 10 pounds of baby in front of you, or maybe not 10 pounds. But it's not very comfortable once you get big pregnant. And she was like super big pregnant, like the baby could come any day now big pregnant. I bet they're hoping we're going to get there. We're going to pay the census. We're going to come back. It's going to be going to have a nice birth, nice and calm. We've got all this planned. Well, I don't remember exactly what it's like, but I'm assuming that the baby gets born in Bethlehem. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, it has to be Bethlehem. So, um, no, they, they, they go to Bethlehem and they don't like that's where their family comes from. But apparently they don't have family they can just stay with in Bethlehem, right? So they go to, like, rent a room in an inn. They sort of have a Bethlehem equivalent of hotels because you got people traveling around and different cities would have places where travelers could stay. Well, everyone's traveling over the census. How many people are related to King David alone? Coming back to Bethlehem, there is nowhere to stay. I mean, who knows? Maybe they go to 10 inns. There's nowhere. They have to stay... In, like, this common area, I don't mean, like, common as in, ooh, common as, I mean, like a, like a shared area where basically everyone who can't get in a room might be staying. And there's, like, also people are keeping their, you know, if they've brought a donkey with them, they brought the donkey, the donkey is staying in this room. They probably got sheep in this room. Maybe not. The sheep are probably in the field. But anyway, donkeys... Horses, if they had them, people all in this room, and Mary has to have the baby. The thing about babies is when it's ready to come out, it's ready to come out. You can't just be like, nope, I'm just going to hold it in for a little while longer. Like if you got to pee, you can just be, oh, I'm just going to hold it for a little while until I get somewhere where it's okay to pee. Like, no, the baby's going to be born. So... They they call it, uh, some people think it was a stable, but it actually more likely was like a common room like I've described. But um, anyway, the baby is born. And um, there he is. It's a boy, just like the angel said. I mean, that's a 50-50 chance thing. But still, it was, the angel was right. There's a boy here. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's only a yeah, 50. Chance. And then I'm going to have to refer to the book here because I don't remember exactly what happens next. We're in Luke for this one. Where's my bookmark? So there's the baby. And um, they they wrap him up in like some little clean fabrics that they, they had. Somebody had some spare fabrics. And they wrap up this baby. And um, they don't have a bed for him to go in. And the mom's like, I'm tired. I need to rest a minute. I just literally pushed a baby out of my body. So they find this little, there's this little feed trough and it's got like a nice little bit of hay in it for the donkeys, you know, to eat out of. 
And they just like, here, we'll just, the donkeys won't eat him, it's fine, we'll just put him in this feed trough. So they wrap him up, and they put him in the feed trough, and um, that's like, that's like an important detail, because, you see, of what's going to happen next, which is, there are shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, which is a thing you do, because things can eat the flocks. So there's these shepherds, and um, they're just minding their own business. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared, and this time, he says, Don't be afraid! Don't be afraid! I am just an angel so I'm that assuming... randomly appeared in the middle of nowhere. Right, exactly. So I'm assuming we skip the, um, the screaming, guy ah, and terror part. And he says, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Because today, a savior, who's going to save everybody, is born in the city of David. Um, and here's going to be a sign, like, here's going to be a sign to you that this is the savior, that you'll have found him. You'll go into Bethlehem, and you'll find a baby lying in a manger, that is, you know, the animal feed trough, wrapped up in cloths, and they're kind of like, that's really interesting. That's an interesting prediction. Because if you're like, you're going to have a baby, well, that's kind of a big prediction. But then you're like, the baby's going to be a boy. That's like, meh, 50-50. But then you're like, specifically, there's going to be a baby in Bethlehem, and he's going to be a boy, and he's going to be lying in a food trough. And then you'll know. And they're like, well, there is one way to find out about this. That's just science, right? So they go, they go to Bethlehem and they find the baby exactly like the angel told them it would be there. Honestly, though, the most unpredictable part of the story is the fact that there's an angel glowing with light and appearing in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night outside of Bethlehem. That's true. So and that's a pretty big... A whole host of angels. Oh, right. I forgot. Yeah, because after he told them about the, the baby, you'd find him there in the manger... Then there was, like, a whole multitude of the heavenly host, they say. There's, like, a, just a ton of angels. And in, like, videos of, like, the Christmas story, they're usually just sort of floating. There's stars in the sky, and then, boom, instead of stars, there's just giant, glowing, humanoid, flying creatures. And they start, like, singing glory to God and peace on earth to the people that God favors. And then they go back to heaven. And then the shepherds are like, let's check this out in Bethlehem. And then, um, like, Mary and Joseph just minding their own business, and a bunch of shepherds come in, and like, hey, an angel told us that there was going to be a baby here, and he's a savior, and, oh my gosh, there is, it's a baby! Um, like, they've never seen a baby before. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a baby! I haven't seen one of those in my entire life! <laughs> And then they, um, then they, they were like, everyone's like, why, why did you come looking for a baby? And they're like, well, here's what the angel told us. And Mary is like, wow, this is a lot of stuff happening. Uh, and she just kept this like a secret in her heart that she'd heard all these things about uh, Jesus. Well, because they named the baby Jesus. I forgot that part. That's kind of significant. This is why I script these. <laughs> but it's okay. Hopefully you've listened to the actual Christmas episode, the normal Christmas episode from last year, where yeah, this is all more organized. Yeah, you should probably 
go back to the like 2019 one. Yeah. Where I to look up what number a that was. One. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, though the baby's born and wait, maybe I didn't get it wrong yet. I don't know. They they maybe they don't name the babies immediately. See, so you know, secretly I got it right because they don't name him till he's eight days old and they take him to the temple. They take him to the temple and perform these ceremonies and and make these offerings. Um, and uh, then they name him Jesus. See, boom. I could have pretended it was deliberate if I had if I had thought ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and they took him there, and there's people waiting. There's people who have been in the temple every day because um, there's this one man named Simeon and he's been waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. He comes to the temple every day and another lady, Anna, she comes to the temple every day because they've been told there's going to be a Messiah and they're going to be there to see it and they do not want to miss it. They show up every day and they see this baby and they're like, that's the one, that's the baby. He's the Messiah. There's like a whole nother version of this story where they have to flee. To, it's like the action version, but this one from Math, from Luke. Yeah. Matthew's the action version. Luke is the peaceful. Everyone's Yay. so excited about the baby, and 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 the, there's gonna be peace in the world, Yay. and yeah. <laughs> and so then this this section just ends that then they went back to Nazareth because there's like multiple prophecies and some. The Messiah's got to be from Bethlehem, and in some, he's got to be from Nazareth. So in this story, he's, like, from both. <laughs> he grew up in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. And it says, uh, The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. And then you have, um, later in the story, you get these, these difficulties, because some people think, if Jesus is the Messiah and he's here to save everyone, then we're going to fight the Romans, right? And then some people are like, well, if Jesus is the Messiah, then he's going to teach everyone how to be good people. So we won't be sinful and dark anymore. And that's more the direction the Christians go with. And they kind of have to because Jesus doesn't fight the Romans. So there's, you know. He doesn't win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't defeat the Romans. So you have the other story where they actually, where Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus actually have to flee for their lives from Herod, who uh, oh, tries yeah, to kill Jesus. That. And so that's, that's a lot, that's a lot more intense. But that's actually also fulfills some prophecies, because basically there's just a lot of prophecies that people made a long time ago. And then the writers are like, which ones could be about this story? Which ones fit? <laughs> Anyway, I mean, we've talked about, like, people People tell this story every Christmas, right? Even though everyone's pretty sure Jesus wasn't really born in December due to the, you know, shepherds being out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. That's not a December thing, apparently. Well, maybe they were in California. <laughs> <laughs> where we don't even have snow here, and you can wear, like, if you're comfortable, if you're you kind of comfortable in the cold... Winter. Then I, at least for me, I can just layer a long, uh, wear a long sleeve shirt. I actually think the climate in Israel is a little more like California, isn't it? It's kind of a Mediterranean climate, kind of similar. Wetter, I think, though. Um, 
Yeah, California is the driest place on earth. Anyway, so uh, in the in the Christian narrative, this is the that's kind of like the turning moment where everything has been terrible forever because of sin. And then Jesus is going to teach people to be good, but also that's not really enough because we've had teachings all along. Jesus has to be literally a god, sort of, and then die to finally cleanse everyone of their sin, which is kind of the end end of the story. But it's it's an interesting story because it it requires, I mean it not requires. It uh, includes this whole idea that Jesus is like half God, like God's the father of the baby, because there's, where is it? Oh, it's John. It's the beginning of John. It's my, my page is missing from my Bible. It got ripped. The beginning of John. Anyway, it basically says that Jesus is God who became human. And that's an interesting story to me. It's not the only story from the ancient world where a God came to live around humans and lived as a human. There's like demigods and stuff. Like I like Hercules. Hercules kind of was like a half god. But it's kind of interesting as part of this narrative of, of God, like trying to figure out how to deal with these people. That he created. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like, um, I made these people. He's like, let us make man in our image. That's That's from Genesis, you know. And then he makes the he makes the people, and then he gives them one rule, right? Don't eat from the fruit. And then they eat from the fruit, and he's like, okay, fine, everything's horrible. I hate all these people. I wish I didn't make these people. I don't know how to deal with these people. And then he's like, then there's like Abraham. He's like, I'm going to pick just one family, and those are going to be the specific people. This time I'll get it right, the people. I'll, I'll get them to do exactly what I want. And in the end... He just, in in the New Testament story, it's like, um, you know what? None of these people are humaning correctly, so I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> that's one take. I don't know that that's the most accurate None take. of you are humaning right. Go so human right. He's like, I'm going to be a human, and then um, I'm, I'm going to make myself I'm a human. More better than ever human. Yeah. And then Jesus was, you know, supposed to have been perfect, although I think a little bit of a jerk sometimes, but I mean, who's not? He kind of was a prophet, did a lot of teaching, then he died. It's it's, it's actually kind of sad. I'm not sure. He couldn't even human for the whole 120 years. Like, maybe it's harder to be a human than you thought, God. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think that's... Human is humaning. Humaning to human. (laughs) I did human. I will human. I humaned. I can't say that one. (laughs) Human hit human. Anyway. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting story as as part of a, a bigger story about, you know... God, who is he? What's he like? How does he relate to humans? Um, can he survive humanity? No. Does Are he... you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for doing this with me. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. You're welcome. Did you want to say the thank you for listening bit? Um, 
No. Okay. So thanks for listening to Bible Stories for Human Children. Um, since I'm recording this so early, I'm not actually sure what my next episode will be. It'll be up next year. Guys, 2020 is almost over. Ooh, yay! Apocalypse is almost ended. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm not sure what it'll what it'll be. That I'll be back with. I hope that 2020 wasn't worse. 2021, yeah. Hey, this is future Robbie. Well, future past Robbie. Anyway, um, I have to inject uh, a little couple notes real quick before I close this episode through the magic of time travel or audio editing. First, the next episode will actually be up New Year's Eve or the Tuesday before that for patrons. So I think I said the wrong thing because I was confused about when the year ended. Second, I'm changing the Patreon perks. As of the new year, I'm discontinuing the current $1 tier. You'll get to keep that if you already have signed up for it, if you're already a paying patron, but it won't be available to new patrons after the end of the year. Um, and I am replacing that tier with a new one that I think is going to have to cost $1.50 and it won't have early access to episodes. Apparently, most Patreon creators use early access as a $5 perk, so I've been underselling myself and I should correct it. However, if you're already a patron, you keep the current perks, and if you get in there and become a patron before I make the changes on December 31st, you will also be grandfathered into that, so it's your last chance to do that. Another little change... Bonus episodes for $5 patrons won't be monthly anymore. They'll just go up occasionally uh, after the December one. We'll, we'll do one in December, and um, I'll change the language of the Patreon tier to reflect that. And I'm announcing it now so that if you don't want to be a $5 patron under those terms, you can change it before you get billed for the January. Anyway, that's all. Sorry for the interruption, late November, Robbie. This is early December, Robbie, signing off. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Um, our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Usually I have it written in front of me, so I say it right. Give us some reviews on wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's a thing you can do, consider supporting us on Patreon. I think that's all I'm supposed to say. And okay. $5 dollar um, patrons get special episode things. Oh, yeah. And at least yeah. once... Kieran wrote a special episode. I eventually put it up onto the regular podcast. Yeah, it was the one year so, anniversary. Yeah. It was David Goliath the Indian. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was good. We might. Do yeah, it. I want to do another one at some point. Those. Yeah, that would be fun. Maybe, maybe that Satan one you talked about. Oh yeah, I yeah. Also. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, until next time, shine on, Star Child. Bye. Bye. Bye.